Welcome to Law X.0, a Bloomberg Law podcast dedicated to seeing around corners and preparing you for the next version of the legal industry. Welcome to Law X.0. I'm Dory Goldstein. And I'm Meg McAvoy. We're legal analysts for Bloomberg Law. This is our second episode in a series on cryptocurrency. Today, we'll be discussing the regulation of crypto at the federal level. The SEC hasn't been shy about going after initial coin offerings as unregistered securities offerings. But beyond that, the agency hasn't exactly clarified where digital assets fit within the current regulatory scheme. Here to talk to us about the SEC's stance on cryptocurrency is SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce. Appointed by President Donald Trump, Peirce was sworn into the SEC in January of 2018, and since then has become known for her views on the regulation of digital assets. Welcome, Commissioner. Thank you, Dory and Meg. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. We're so happy to have you. Uh, commissioner, before we get started, I know that you're a sitting SEC commissioner, and I'm guessing you have a disclaimer. That was a good guess. I do have a disclaimer, which is that my views represent my own views and not necessarily those of the Securities and Exchange Commission or my fellow commissioners. Well, speaking of your views not matching those of your fellow commissioners, I want to talk about a really famous dissent that you wrote in the Winklevoss Bitcoin Exchange Traded Product. Just so our listeners have a little bit of background here, the Winklevoss Bitcoin ETF was a fund that was tied to Bitcoin and that would have been the first cryptocurrency ETF listed on a regulated exchange. I know the majority of the commission rejected the application over concerns about fraud and manipulation of Bitcoin. I know it's part of the reason that people call you crypto mom, but can you tell us a little bit more about that case and why you dissented? I wrote that dissent because I was concerned that we were holding crypto products to a different standard than we hold other products. In that case, we were looking at an exchange-traded product. uh, And so when we look at those kind of products, we actually get a, a an application from the exchange that's planning to list it. And we look to see whether it complies with our rules uh, and and then make the, the decision of whether they can um, go, for, go ahead and list that. And my view was that the approach we were taking in in this context was just a much more stringent look that actually looked at things that are outside of the purview of the SEC. We were looking at underlying markets in a way that seemed inappropriate to me when I looked at the standards um, of review that we that we have. And so that was kind of the, the, the basis for my dissent. Uh, I also think that the approach that we've taken in connection with that disapproval and with other actions uh, with respect to, um, to exchange-traded products in this space has been one that's not been very open to innovation. It's 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 reflective of a deeper problem at the SEC, uh, a problem that is typical of regulatory agencies where we we tend to think that change is dangerous and we forget the fact that change can also be beneficial and and that really ultimately it's not our choice to decide whether products are good or bad. We have to make sure that the the basic regulatory framework is satisfied. Uh, and that disclosures are appropriate. But then really, it's up to investors and not up to us. So I understand that this is potentially an area that's evolving all the time. But can you help us understand what the SEC's authority currently is when it comes to cryptocurrency? When is crypto a security? When is it a commodity? When is it simply a payment? 
That is the question that everyone is asking, <laughs> and everyone is rather unhappy with the, the lack of clear answers they're getting out of the SEC. There is certainly a, a subset of activity in this space that does fall clearly within our jurisdiction. When someone goes out to raise money to build a company and, and uh, does so uh, by asking folks to, to contribute money and, and get a share of the essentially of the proceeds of that project, then that looks an awful lot like a securities offering, and so we regulate it that way. Um, the difficulty, though, is that because of the way the, the securities laws work, we don't have a precise definition of what a security is. And so a lot of these things, we're viewing them through the lens of um, what an investment contract is, and that in turn is viewed through the lens of um, the courts, and specifically in a case uh, called Howey, which looked at the, it gave some, some parameters for what might qualify as an investment contract. And so it's that analysis that we've been using and that folks on the outside have been using to try to figure out whether a particular crypto offering is a securities offering. We did, the staff of the SEC provided some guidance to elaborate on the points that Howie lays out. Uh, that guidance has, has received some mixed reviews, including from me. I've been, you know, I, while, while I was happy to see that we provided guidance, the guidance that we provided just elaborated on the factors and didn't offer any weighting. And so essentially it just expanded the factors that people have to think about, but didn't provide a roadmap for them to think about them. Um, and so we've seen on, on the outside, we've seen people struggling with this. Uh, recently, a group came together, a group of trading platforms and some others came together and said, hey, let's put some weightings on this, let's create some kind of a scoring system so we can figure out whether something's a security or not. Um, but again, that's, that's, that's people in the industry trying to figure it out, and it just shows the, the real need for guidance. Uh, I think it's an area where we could do more and we could be more helpful, and I'm hoping um, that we will be more helpful. The problem is when you flesh it out through enforcement actions, the consequences of getting it wrong are so high. So you really do want to give people an option. We've done some no action guidance. That's another option. Um, but the no action letters that we've issued so far are so limited that they're not helpful and, and, and may actually be harmful. On top of that uncertainty, it, it also seems like there are a lot of agencies of SEC, CFTC, FinCEN and FINRA all have some claim to regulating cryptocurrencies. Can you maybe clarify where these lines fall and how these agencies work together? Well, it is true that there are a lot of a lot of potential regulators in this space, both at the federal and the state level. And um, this has been a frustration not only for crypto, uh, for the crypto industry, but for others in in the financial industry who are trying to figure out who who they should look to as their regulator. Um, the lines really are still being drawn, and so we're we're still working on that. I will say that we are working together with our fellow regulators. Um, that's being done through the Financial Stability Oversight Council and through less formal interactions as well. I do think that we have more work to do on that front, and I'm I'm hopeful 
that will do it, but we also need to coordinate across borders and, and international cooperation is important in this space as in others, and it is an area that, that uh, we are talking about with our fellow regulators overseas. Do you think that uh, cryptocurrencies should be brought under existing regulatory frameworks, or do we need a new regulatory framework for crypto? Um, my mind has changed a bit on this. I, I think there are some unique issues in crypto that may require some adjustments in our regulatory framework. I'm not sure the adjustments need to be dramatic, but the one that I've been thinking about is a safe harbor framework where you would give, uh, you'd give projects a couple years, two or three years, so that they could come into being as a functioning network, which is what a lot of these um, these tokens are all about. It's, it, the idea is that it will be the coin of a realm of, of, of the realm on a particular network. But it's very hard under the existing securities laws for that to get up and running. And so could we do something where we gave people a little bit of runtime so they could get up and running? Um, and then at that point, they're not no long the tokens no longer uh, clearly no longer a security and so then they're free of the securities framework but if they don't actually get the network up and running then you say hey you got to register this this is a security that might be one approach that would work for the specific characteristics of this space so i have to ask about facebook's libra project does this present any kind of new regulatory challenges well, I think one thing that's been interesting about Libra, uh, the announcement of Libra, is that it really has drawn a lot of attention to the crypto space in Washington, and I guess not only Washington, but um, from regulators and central banks everywhere. And I think that's been, to some degree, positive to have people talking about these issues and thinking about them. Um, you know, I don't want to speak specifically to to any particular digital asset. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk with with um, people in detail about what the Libra project will actually look like. There are some unique concerns that stablecoins present, um, and so we have to. There may be other points of contact that stablecoins have with our regulatory system that other types of cryptocurrencies don't have. Um, so, you know, we think of our our investment company framework would would these qualify as money market funds? Those are the kinds of questions that that we have to ask and answer in connection with these. But again, all of these determinations are are very facts and circumstances specific. In terms of figuring out all of these regulatory frame, frameworks and answering all of these important questions, why my question is why is it important to do so? So, what promise does cryptocurrency hold for the U.S. Financial markets and what are its potential benefits? Why why go through all of this to facilitate crypto? I think that's a good question. Part of part of my belief is that a regulator really isn't in it, in the strongest position to answer that question. Um, I I think if we get in the habit of judging at the beginning whether a particular innovation is going to be successful or not, uh, it's a risk, and so it's better for us to kind of work with innovators to figure out how we can develop a functional regulatory framework that offers the protection that we're, we need to offer for 
investors and markets, but also allows the innovation to go forward. That said, I do think that cryptocurrency offers some potential benefits, whether it's as a store of value or as a way as as the money of the internet, as a way for people across the world to be able to um, pay one another in a in a very convenient and effective form, or as the you know the ability to get some of these networks, some of these utility networks up and running. Um, so that you are able to pay your developers, you're able to use use the service being offered by a, a network, uh, and do so in a in a simple way. I think those are some of the promises that uh, some that's some of the promise that I see in in cryptocurrency. Um, but again, I I wouldn't want to be the one to to set the limits as to its potential. Um, I think that. Others are are better able to assess that, um, but I, I I do think it's exciting to think about ways that the world can be better connected, that we can be better integrated with with people all over the globe um, through digital assets, crypto, cryptocurrency, blockchain. So, what could happen in your view if the SEC doesn't provide any guidance? If they just do nothing right now. I think what we're seeing is that projects, even those that are that are run by Americans are looking abroad and moving abroad. And the other thing that I think we're seeing is paralysis. So there are projects that really want to get their networks up and running, but they're scared to do it because they're scared that they're going to trip up uh, and violate the securities laws. And to me, that's, that's the real concern because that's, that means that legitimate activity isn't happening solely because of this regulatory uncertainty piece or it's happening outside of the United States. And one of the things that has made our market so strong and our economy so strong is that we've always attracted um, people here because there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of innovation happening here. And that means people want to come here, they want to study here, and then they want to go on and build businesses here. And I'd like that to continue, and I don't want to to uh, discourage people from from availing themselves of our of of our really solid institutional framework for innovation uh, and capital formation. You mentioned sort of the international environment um, with respect to cryptocurrency. So I know that China, um, as well as several other countries, are further along in their adoption of central bank-issued cryptocurrencies. Do you think that this poses a long-term threat to um, U.S. leadership in the finance space? Well, I tread a little carefully here because I'm not a central banker, and so that's that's a bit outside of my purview. Um, there has been some discussion of of potentially um, turning our own currency into a digital one, uh, so that's a possibility. I mean, I, I think that we can learn a lot from the approaches that other countries are taking. We can learn from their progress. We can learn from their mistakes. We can work together with them. And so the diversity of approaches is not necessarily a bad thing. But again, I think it's just that we need to we need to have some clarity for people. I want to go back to the SEC here. And I know in 2018 and 2019, there were a good number of high-profile enforcement actions against un- issuers of unregistered securities and ICOs. 
like Telegram. And you've said before that anti-money laundering is going to be a leading issue in 2019-2020. Are there any other issues that we should look out for in the near future? Well, I think you'll continue to see us go after fraud in this space. That's something that we can all agree on, both people in the industry and, and people in the regulatory community can agree that we need to uh, pursue people who are engaged in fraudulent offerings, no matter what they call them. Um, but really, what I'm hoping for the next year is I am hoping for some progress on the non-enforcement side um, to set just a, a more positive framework. So we want to show people that there are ways to do these kinds of things consistent with our securities laws. That recently, there were several Reg A offerings, which I think is a positive, uh, and and perhaps we'll see. Um, I don't know, but perhaps we'll see more more folks availing themselves of Reg A in this space. Um, so we need to combine enforcement where appropriate with with a regulatory framework that's that's workable. Given the evolving nature of this area, what advice would you give to attorneys uh, or businesses that are just starting to sort of interact with cryptocurrency? Well, I think it's it's a definitely an interesting learning exercise. There's always something new to learn. I do encourage people to come and talk to us and, and come talk to me, come talk to our staff uh, who who runs the FinHub here at the SEC. Those are, um, it's useful for us to learn what you're doing, to hear about what you're doing, um, and it, it, it can really help shape the way we think about things as well. I know it's a, it can be a burden to come talk to your regulator, um, and even for those who, attorneys who don't have specific clients, but who just have thoughts about what we can be doing in this space and how we can be doing it better, I, I really do encourage people to come in and share their thoughts with us. Thank you so much for joining us, Commissioner Purse. If listeners want to follow you or more of the SEC's initiatives on cryptocurrency, where can they find you? They can uh, follow me on Twitter at Hester Purse, and they can also go to our FinHub on our on our webpage um, and check out what the latest developments are in this space and, and related to fintech more generally. Well, thank you again so much for the discussion. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. That was SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce discussing the regulation of cryptocurrency by our agency at the federal level. Join us next week for the third and final episode in our series on cryptocurrency. We'll be talking to New York Department of Financial Services Superintendent Linda Lacewell about the state's bit license program and the role of the states in regulating crypto. You've been listening to Law X.0 from Bloomberg Law. For more Bloomberg Law analysis, visit news.bloomberglaw.com slash Bloomberg hyphen law hyphen analysis. You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dory underscore Goldstein. That's D-O-R-I underscore G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. And I'm at Meg McAvoy, M-E-G-M-C-E-V-O-Y. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Amanda Icone, co-host of Talking Tax. Each week, we dig into the biggest tax and financial accounting challenges and opportunities from policy to on-the-ground realities. We bring you corporate leaders, accountants, and industry insiders. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. For more, check us out on news.bloombergtax.com.